Ladies and gentlemen. What you gonna do? Brother, 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 brother. Welcome back to the Deep Six Wrestling Podcast. It is Friday, uh, June 18th, and uh, it is a little later than normal. Uh, Normally we put the Impact uh, Power Hour right on, right after uh, Impact ends. Uh, However, it is just me, uh, and I decided that since I had a pretty busy week, didn't get to watch against all odds uh, during its normal time, so decided to do a combo review here of both against all odds and impact from this week. Uh, so, if you uh, haven't checked out our previous episodes of the Deep Six Wrestling podcast, please do. Uh, we are on basically. Uh, any of the major platforms for podcasts. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, Breaker, um, Google Play, um, and YouTube. Um, Feel free to subscribe to our YouTube as well. Uh, We do put out some videos on there as well, other than our podcasts. Uh, And we also have our Twitter that we use pretty uh, regularly, during uh, big shows uh, like uh, certain Raws, um, different pay-per-views, things like that. Um, So make sure to check that out. Subscribe to anything you want. Uh, Leave a review on our podcast if you can, just so that we can hear your different feedback that you might have. Um, So... Like I said, I'm Ryan. Uh, normally it's me and Angelo. Angelo's busy, so like I said, combo review of both Against All Odds and uh, this week's Impact episode. So starting off with Against All Odds, uh, that happened on Saturday. Um, and, you know, looking at the card, wasn't the greatest card, um, but there were some good matches, some matches that I was very interested in. Um, and we start off with probably one of the matches that I wasn't too interested in, and that was uh, Tommy Dreamer and Sammy Callahan versus the Good Brothers in a street fight. Um, this did not feel like a pay-per-view match. This felt more like um, just a random TV episode street fight match. Um Considering that they were teasing how Dreamer and Sammy don't get along before this uh, match became official, they really worked together pretty well. Uh, The Good Brothers, at different points, were saying they didn't want to do that. This wasn't a hardcore match, even though it was, and they were yelled they were hardcore legends, and it was weird. Um, they hit one of the worst, probably, I don't want to say it's the worst Magic Killer I've seen, but I do think it's one of the weakest ones I've ever seen. They barely got Dreamer on their shoulders and then just kind of dropped him right through a table, uh, instead of, like, actually doing the move. Um, Tommy sold it like he had just died, like he normally does with the twitching and because of how it looked, it just look like they just dropped him and like they never had a grip on him I don't know if that was the case if they just were too spaced out across the table that they just couldn't do it but it was weird um then uh Sammy comes in to make the save with the baseball bat to which Josh Matthews claims this is the same baseball bat that he used to end Eddie Edwards's career 
Eddie Edwards' career is not over. He's still wrestling. Uh, he's, he would be involved in the match that came up right after this. Um, Sammy ends up winning with just kind of jabbing the baseball bat into Carl Anderson's skull. And they win. And, yep, definitely not the hottest way to start off a show. Um, yeah, it was weird. Uh, definitely not the match I would have chosen to start with, but it made sense later on in the show why they did this. Um, also, after this, uh, er, dur- during the match, whenever Sammy was in, the crowd noise that they use was booing him, which makes no sense because the Good Brothers were the heels in this match. And then when he won, they had the boos again. When he got introduced, they had the boos. So, I don't know. If you're trying to build him up as a babyface to take on the winner of Kenny and Moose at Slammiversary, this feels really weird if you're going to be giving him boo reactions with your your cafeteria noise uh, crowd reactions. So, yeah, weird. After this... Is Joe Doring versus Kojima. Kojima has Eddie Edwards in his corner. Uh, and Joe Doring has Rhino, Eric Young, and Diener, all violent by design. And as Eddie Edwards and Kojima are coming out, uh, commentary talks about how Eddie Edwards is evening uh, has evened the odds against Violent by Design's numbers advantage, and that the numbers advantage is no more because Eddie Edwards is uh, equaled them, and just, that's not really equaling, it's one person versus three extra people at ringside, um, yeah, Eric Young is injured, so he's not gonna be, like, doing too much other than yelling, but, like, Rhino and Dean are still there, uh, so we're, terminology here um they do hype up kojima's history in japan whether it be all japan or new japan uh talk about how he's uh was the first person to ever hold the all japan and new japan world titles at the exact same time um which i didn't know that um talked about uh how joe doring is one of the biggest names in the biggest American names in all of Japan, not all Japan, all of Japan is what they made sure to say, um, which maybe I, I, I don't think so. Um, as me and Angelo have said numerous times on here, we had never heard of Joe Doring beforehand. Yeah, we don't follow all Japan, but like I know names of some all Japan people and Joe Doring is not anybody I've ever heard of before uh, he returned to Impact um, as part of Violent by Design. Um, yeah, um, this was probably one of the matches I was most interested in, solely because, as I've pointed out numerous times on this show, um, it seemed like the reason they were going this way was to, one, give Violent by Design a big, a big match, uh, but two... Because Kojima and During have history with During challenging Kojima uh, for the All Japan World title about a decade ago. Uh, and them having about a 30 minute match. And uh, so I felt like considering we don't get much of Joe During, um, I, I don't recall many singles matches he's had in Impact since returning. Um that aren't involved in, like, like the most of the matches he has are either they're tag matches or maybe he has a singles match, but it gets interrupted very quickly. Um, so it was good to see them giving time for this. I, Violent by Design was not all over this match. Um, they did try to interfere at a few points, but uh, they were countered most of the time by Kojima himself. Eddie really didn't do anything here. Um, and this was really strong. They had really good chemistry. 
Uh, Kojima is still really good considering his age. Um, and it was interesting as well to see during just going full steam. Uh, he's very fat or very quick in the ring for his size. Um, he is very powerful. Uh, I said it the last time uh, when we actually got to see his finisher, or what I thought was his finisher, was the Death Valley Driver right into the uh, clothesline from hell, or as they're calling it, the clothesline from hell. Um, I thought that was his finisher, and I thought that was really cool. Doesn't finish him with that this time. Kojima does kick out of that, uh, but he cannot kick out of a spinning powerbomb, um, which looked silly. Um but uh, looked effective as well. Uh, Doring looked really good here. Kojima looked really good in defeat. Um, and I think this worked out be- uh, great for both guys. Um, we'll have more about these guys coming up when we talk about the main, uh, the Impact show from this week. Um, after this, we have our Fatal 5-Way for the number one contendership for the X Division title. It is Ace Austin... Petey Williams, Chris Bay, Rohit Raju, and Trey. But before that, we do have a Decay promo hyping up their two title matches for the night. Um, nothing too special here. It's just a traditional Decay promo with Rosemary chanting Decay a lot uh, and some weird graph- like effects on the camera. Um, so this was probably the match that I was looking forward to. Um, probably second most on this card behind um, the main event for this show. Uh, Just because it's an X Division match, it's a multi-man match, and these guys, everybody in this match, uh, has really been killing it of late. Um, But it ends... It was a very good match throughout this. There were some really good spots. We had um, teases for Canadian Destroyers. We had Rohit Raju having one of the strongest portions of the match where he was just beating up on everybody. Um, and I feel like he's probably the weakest of the five people in this match. Um, but he, he put on a hell of a show. Chris Bay, I think is probably the majority of people's favorites in this match. Uh, he looked really good, but at points he just kind of disappeared. Um, so that's something to look forward to in the future. I don't know. I, I Chris Bay is a very confusing character when it comes to Impact. Um, I felt ooh, me and Joey and Angelo and Pat have all at different times talked about how we felt like Chris Bay's title, X Division title reign last year was very quick. Uh, I actually forgot about it at numerous times when talking about Chris Bay this year. Uh, that he had a title reign last year. Uh, I was blinking, you miss it, really. Um, and he just really hasn't caught that momentum back uh, after winning it last year. Um, yes, he was in the uh, Super J Cup in New Japan, but he just hasn't clicked back into like a serious contender for a title uh, in Impact since losing uh, the title and. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, I know Pat has said that he thinks Chris Bay could be the one to take the title off of Omega. I don't see that, especially with how they've booked Bay recently. Um, but that's another story. Um, Ace Austin looked really well, good in this match. Again, somebody who I feel like he, at least when I we me and Angelo started watching Impact again. Um, Ace Awesome was one of the few people I was very familiar with just because he was hyped up so much as like this young guy who could be the face of Impact soon, maybe get be world, uh, like soon world champ. Uh, didn't get that. He's lost a lot. Um, he finally, he won the, uh, Super X Cup in Impact. For some reason, they wouldn't let him cash in his number one contendership for, that he gets with the tie, with winning the tournament, which was weird that there's that impact management is screwing a heel. Then they finally gave him a number one contendership and he lost. Um, 
Yeah, Ace Austin's been hit or miss, but in ring he's been very, very good. Um, and Petey Williams, I feel like everybody forgets that Petey Williams is not as old as everybody thinks he is. I said it last week, Petey is only 37. Um, commentary made it seem like Petey is like in his late four or like mid to late forties, as they kept on referring to Father Time uh, has passed him by, but he wants to roll back the clock a few years. Um, and yeah, he he, he still can go. Uh, he just. Uh, as Angelo mentioned last week, he kind of just missed the mark on like when he got big. Like, he didn't. He got big early on before the X division really became super popular, um, and then wasn't there during like the the really trying times of Impact where he could have gotten some big title wins just because of his name value and just needing like some some veteran guys. Um, now he's back, and he still can go. He still looks great in the ring. Um, and then there's Trey, who is probably the most confusing person in all of Impact. Um, I thought he was going to go heel with Sammy Callahan. That didn't happen. I thought maybe he could be somebody to go and challenge Omega. That hasn't happened. Um, maybe they're saving him for an X Division run. I don't know, he just, since his return, and I put the return in air quotes, um, it just really has felt like they don't know what to do with Trey. Um, yeah, it's it's weird, because like, Trey got that super emotional send-off with the Rascals. Um, Two-thirds of the Rascals go to NXT. And then Trey returns to Impact as, like, his own guy. But, like, I don't know. He's just hasn't been treated as seriously as I thought he would be. I thought the reason he was staying was because maybe he, they want to make him a, t- a champion. Uh, finally give, give him something. But, like, he just he had a feud with Sammy. He won the feud. And then lost the number one contendership for the world title and is just kind of thrown into this X division picture out of nowhere. Um, match was really good. Um, as you expect from these matches, high work rate, lots of action going on. Commentary is missing the market points just cause it's commentary. Miss Josh Matthews and D'Lo are not great together. Uh, D'Lo and Stryker are much better than Matthews and D'Lo. Um, and this match, as, as pointed out, it's a fatal five-way. Normally means no disqualifications. Uh, beginning of the match, we were told that Madman Fulton is not allowed at ringside for this match because of his actions in a tag match the other day, or the last episode of Impact. Um before against all odds and madman fulton comes in at the end tosses trey out beats up everybody lands a a move with all four competitors that aren't ace austin uh laying them out and then just throws ace austin on top of somebody um and the ref sees it and just says nope no contest throws the match out and Fulton yells, it's a no DQ match. And the ref says, you're not supposed to be here. And Fulton just says, but it's a no DQ match. And then chases the ref out uh, before grabbing uh, Ace and carrying him out. Uh, and before they get out, they stand at the top of the entrance ramp. And Fulton yells, and we all know who really won this match. Points to Ace. And yeah. I didn't understand why they did this. But we got clarity on it. Uh, during the week. Uh, that. Because of it being a no contest. They are bringing back. 
Ultimate X at Slammiversary. It is Josh Alexander putting the X Division title on the line in Ultimate X against the five guys in this match. Um, should be very exciting. Um, this will be my first time watching an Ultimate X match um, live, like as it happens. I'm not going to be at Slammiversary, but I'm going to get to watch it on pay-per-view. So that'll be cool. Um, Ultimate X matches are normally really fun. Uh, they are unpredictable, and I don't know what to expect from this because, as I've said, I think Josh is, he could be somebody who has a very lengthy run with this. It is his first solo title reign in Impact, so maybe they keep him as like this, the like as it says on his gear now, the Iron Man of Impact. Um, maybe you uh, keep him going, beating all the everybody in Ultimate X. Who knows? Uh, Ultimate X is, like I said, unpredictable, so anybody really can win this match. After this, we have W. Morrissey versus Rich Swan. This was another match that I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about this match. Um, but it, I think this overachieved. Um, Morrissey has looked absolutely fantastic. Uh, since coming to Impact, uh, his matches against Willie Mack have been really good. His match tonight against, or in this match against Swan, was really strong. Um, and this wasn't like a fifty-fifty match where like he had to sell a lot for Swan. He was dominating almost all of this match. There were points where Swan would take control, um, but for the most part, it was all Morrissey. Um, doesn't win with the East River Crossing. He actually wins with, uh, so he hits a power bomb, picks Swan back up, then does a release power bomb, as he stands over Swan and like slaps his face a few times to bring him back. Uh, Swan flips him off and he picks him up for a running power bomb for the win. Um, really good stuff. I don't know what they're gonna do with Morrissey um, since he's a heel. I don't know, but. Beating uh, Swan here uh, felt very big uh, for this guy. They clearly have big. I think they clearly have big plans for him uh, beating two pretty big names in Impact in Willie Mack, former X Division champ, uh, and Red Swan, a former X Division and world champ in impact uh and as commentary mentioned former wwe cruiserweight champion um didn't think i'd hear that thrown out there but yeah um commentary does make uh, a few mistakes in this match uh mainly calling moves uh i give josh matthews a ton of shit every week that he is on commentary because he doesn't call moves what they are uh, he will just say, oh, it's a signature move, or that's the finish. Um, Swan goes for a 450 splash on the outside um, that he didn't get enough rotations in uh, and kind of landed weird. Um, and Josh Matthews is like, it's a Phoenix 450 splash thing. And nope. Nope. Um then he goes for another 450 splash in the ring, and he's like, is it time for the Phoenix splash? Yes, it's a 450 splash. Um, and then he finally hits a Phoenix splash, and Josh Matthews is like, and that's what they call a Phoenix splash. Uh, and, okay. Uh, he's just waiting to be able to say that he got one move right. He finally did. Good, good, good job, Josh. Um... After this, we get um, Deanna, uh, Kimberly, and Susan talking about their title matches for the night. Deanna says that all the odds are in their favor, uh, and that this uh, tonight is a huge night for Kimber and Susan because it will decide if they really deserve to be in the presence of Deanna. Um, after this, we get Tennille versus Jordan. Um, this was actually a really good match. Both of these women are really good in-ring wrestlers. 
Um, I wasn't expecting this to go very long. It felt very long at points. Um, it felt longer than it probably did, but not in a bad way. It just, like, it wasn't a very fast-worked match. They had really good chemistry uh, when they were working together, which is good. Um, I still don't know what the hell they're going to do with Jordan because it feels like they're trying to do a slow burn heel turn, but, like, she's just seems... She's just coming off crazy emotional. Um, and we'll get to that in a bit. Um, Jordan looked really strong in this match. Um, she was really laying it all out on Tennille. Tennille kept on trying to go technical on uh, here, going with uh, different types of submissions, uh, working on the arms and shoulders of Jordan, um, and then you had Caleb just trying to distract as much as he can, uh, and finally gets a little too much. Um, He goes and grabs a ring light from underneath the ring, Um, one of those, like, ring circular lights that you do for selfies and stuff um and he grabs it and he turns it on and Rachel Ellering grabs him and like drags him off the apron and he slams his face and Jordan gets mad at her for doing this because she thinks that I don't know what she thinks because clearly to everybody you could see that Caleb was on the apron distracting, trying to distract the ref. The ref had clearly stopped looking at Jordan's submission that she, she had on Tennille. Jordan could clearly see this. Rachel drags Caleb down, and the ref goes back to doing his job, and Jordan breaks the hold and yells at Rachel, saying the, to stop distracting the ref, and that she can do this herself. And so Rachel's like, okay. And Jordan goes back and goes to pick up uh, Tennille for the Grace Driver. But instead gets rolled up and loses. And she freaks out on Rachel again. Uh, saying that Rachel needs to stop interfering in her matches. Because she's preventing her from winning. And that she can win on her own. Um, and then she just goes in the ring. Grabs uh, Caleb and hits him with a uh, Grace driver that um, Josh Matthews yells, it's a Mishinoku driver, um, which technically it's close to that, but come on, it, it's she hit the Grace driver, it's her finisher, it has her name in it, come on man, it's not that hard. Um, I thought this was a really good match. Um, but, yeah, this slow burn for Jordan's heel turn that it feels like is coming. Just, I don't know, it's it's taking too long. It's it's a predictable heel turn at this point that, like, we, we can feel it happening. It's just, when are you actually going to pull the trigger? Um, after this, we get Sam Beal and Brian Myers uh, watching the matches. Uh, and Brian asks uh, Sam what types of notes he's taken, what he's learned from the night, uh, before Jake something shows up and says, hey, yeah, if I could give you a piece of advice, anything that Brian says, just do the exact opposite. Uh, they stare off at each other, uh, and then Brian Myers says, hey, Sam, write something else down. Uh, don't take the bait. And they walk off. Um, I thought this was really good. Um, I've been loving Brian Myers and Sam Beal's, uh, segments together. They've worked really well for me. Um, they clearly, it feels like they have plans for Sam Beal, uh, considering they've been keeping him around for a bit now, uh, in various odd jobs. Uh, and now it seems like he's finally found a calling underneath the wing of Brian Myers. After this, we've got our... Tag title match, it is Decay, or I'm sorry, it's our women's tag title match. It is Susan and Kimberly versus Fire and Flava. Um, this starts off real sloppy, I mean real sloppy, um, which just, no, it did not seem like Susan and 
either Kiera or Tasha had any chemistry together. Um, it felt like they were trying to be, they were trying to match, like, Tasha and, um, Kiera's, uh, annoyingness with Susan's annoyingness, and it just didn't work for me, because, again, I don't need two heel teams going against each other, um, Kimber looked really good in this match. Uh, it felt like she got a lot of chances to shine here, and I felt like she did. Um, I've been tired of the Susan character for quite some time now. Um, and Tasha and Kara continue to be great heels that like you just don't like. They're annoying. Um, they're but they they get the job done. They're very, they're normally very smooth in ring. There were some points, like I said, in this match that just felt sloppy. And I don't know who to blame. I don't want to blame anybody. But it just felt like the the chemistry was just lacking. Um, they end up winning with a frog splash. Tasha hits a frog splash on Susan. And they reta- uh, Fire and Flavor retains the titles. That's all I'm really going to say about this match. It doesn't need much else to be said. After this, we have our main, uh, the men's title, uh, tag title match. It is Decay versus Violent by Design, represented by Rhino and Diener. This was probably the best, um, I think, Diener has looked since turning heel. Uh, he actually got chances to shine. Um, it wasn't like a random BTI singles match that had no chemistry or no storyline going this everybody pretty much looked good in this um it was just really good um black tarus continues to feel like a somebody who could be a star but they just don't know what the hell they're doing with them um crazy steve at different points looked good not great. I'm, I I don't think I've ever seen Crazy Steve look like have a great match or like a great segment. Um, but it was good. Um, Diener, like I said, looked pretty good. And Rhino, considering like we don't get to see Rhino too much, uh, he looked really good here. He him and uh, Black Tarus had a few points where they like tried to out stiff each other, um, and that looked really good. Uh, Diener ends up picking up the win with the Diener DDT on Crazy Steve, and Violent by Design retain, and I have no idea what the hell Impact has planned for Decay, because it feels like every time Decay look like they're building ahead of steam, they just lose, and then they're, they're back to the bottom, and they build up momentum again, and then they lose. Um, and it feels like they want them to be baby faces, but they're treating them like heel, like they act like heels, and it just feels like a mess to me. Um, Black Tarus deserves better, man. If he was in the X division, we could have some really, really, really fun matches, but. He's not as of right now. Uh, after this, we have our uh, Steve Macklin vignette, um, just basically talking about torture and how he, uh, him waiting for a chance to show what he's capable of has been torture. Um, yes. Uh, after this is Deanna versus Rosemary. I think this is better than their first match against each other during Deanna's reign so far. Um, this was a lot more, um, just felt more fluid. It felt like they just had better chemistry. They better understood each other. Um, but I also think that it was a very interesting way to go about this match. This felt like Deanna just dominating for however long this match went. I feel like there were maybe like two or three instances where Rosemary took control for a bit, but for the most part, it was just Deanna working uh, and 
beating down and breaking apart Rosemary's extremities, breaking down her her hands, breaking down her fingers, working on her shoulders, working on her arms, bending them in different ways, um, slamming them against ring posts, slamming them against the mat, slamming them against uh, like inside the ropes, um, and then Rosemary took control for a bit. Uh, started hitting, uh, went for spears. Uh, looked like she was gonna get up uh, some, uh, like, comeback. And then Deanna takes control again. Uh, and instead of working on the shoulder and the arms, uh, she goes and works on the legs. She rips off, or she just starts slamming uh, herself on Rosemary's legs uh, while they're. Uh, and while they're close to the ropes and then dropping them on the ropes and um then she ends up tying both hand, arms around her feet so that she, rosemary can't control her arms and then goes and undoes the straps of the um the knee brace uh that uh, Rosemary had, uh, and it, she teased that she was going to hit Rosemary with it, but instead she just goes with the punk, uh, pump kick, uh, Rosemary answers back with just sitting straight back up, uh, she goes, Dion goes for another pump kick, fails, uh, Rosemary gets in her second bit of offense, or second, like, comeback offense, um, but it's too late, Deanna ends up, uh, getting back in control, uh, hitting, uh, the Costa Nostra, uh, I believe is what she's calling the, uh, the pile driver and she wins. Um, and commentary pointed out, uh, that they have no idea who can be the one to, uh, overthrow Diana and end the reign of the Virtuosa. I have no idea who it's going to be. Uh, but then commentary also was like, oh, she's nearing a year with, the, uh, nearing almost a year with the title. Which, she's not really... I mean, if you don't count her losing the title to Sue Young for, like, maybe a month, um, then yes. But she is on her second reign with this title. Uh, and it's not near 365 days yet. Um, yeah. Um, and then we go to the main event. It is Omega versus Moose. Very excited for this match. But the best part about this is that it's at Daly's place. But not only is it at Daly's place, that that's not the, the thing. The thing is that they're selling it like D'Lo and Josh Matthews can't call the match because they're not there. So we have to have a new commentary team. And the commentary team is Don Callis, Tony Schiavone, and Scott Demore. Okay? I had never heard Scott on commentary before, but... God damn, he was brilliant on commentary tonight, uh, or for this match, or uh, it, it was just fantastic, and the fact that Scott and Don are both been employed by Impact and they haven't used either of them during this time as commentators blows my mind. Um. Uh. So this match, after seeing the beginning of the year, we had uh, Hard to Kill. We had the the six-man match between Kenny and the Good Brothers versus um, Sabin, Swan, and Moose. I was like, okay, going to get, get high-action Moose. Moose is going to be real confident. He's just going to be throwing out all the stops. It's going to be a fantastic match. Close to five stars, everything. Um, I don't know. I felt a little bit let down by this match. And I'm not complaining about a lot of things that people are complaining on uh, online. Like, people are complaining about, oh, this was the perfect time for Moose to win the title. No. Uh, I didn't think, realistically, Moose was winning a title with no actual impact fans uh there people complaining about how none of the titles changed hands yeah i, I, I mean 
with as many titles as they have, I understand wanting at least one of them to change hands, but you just had a title change for the tag titles with Moose or with Violent by Design taking them off Finjuice. So I didn't feel like they needed another title change. Um and I don't think that that no title changes makes a bad show. I think there are people who just don't want Kenny to be champ anymore, and I understand that. Um, but I feel like you have to let stories play out, and having heel Moose defeat heel Kenny Omega for a title in front of zero fans just to have another heel champion doesn't do much for me. Um, there were some dangerous-looking spots throughout this match. Um, Moose dropped Kenny r- right on his like neck and shoulder. Uh, Kenny dropped Moose on his neck and shoulder numerous times. Moose went like full speed over the barricade for uh, to try to... Uh, I guess, like, send Kenny over, but Kenny dodged it, uh, and Moose just, like, went flying over it into the concrete and into some chairs. Um, But, I don't know, it just... It didn't click for me, this match, like I thought it was going to. And... I don't know. I, I feel like part of it is the fact that it was two heels, and it was kind of a predictable outcome. But at the same time, like it, it just felt like we had high expectations for this match, um, and the match just didn't meet our expectations because of those high expectations that so many people had for this match. Um, again, I do think that Moose is going to get another shot at his title as... Uh, We'll get into it later. Um, He does get screwed out of this title by the Young Bucks coming in after uh, Moose went for the Lights Out Spear. He spears uh, Brian Hebner instead because Moose or Kenny grabs Hebner and throws him in the way. Young Bucks come out, hit a bunch of super kicks, hit the BTE trigger, and then help Kenny hit the One Winged Angel on Moose. Afterwards, uh, as they're all celebrating, Sammy Callahan appears. Um, so obviously, the reason they start off with the match was so that Sammy could uh, have a reason to get or uh, the ability to get down to Jacksonville. Obviously, they were taped two different times, um, and Sammy takes out the Young Bucks, knocks down Omega, and Don Callis gets on the mic and says, "Hey, hey." Don't don't touch him, don't touch him. I'm your boss. Uh, Sammy laughs, grabs a chair, puts the chair uh, set up, uh, uh, sets the chair up uh, on top of Omega's head, like he's done so many times. Is ready to hit uh, hit the chair with the baseball bat, and Don Callis says, "Hey, Sammy, guess what? You're fired." Uh, and Scott, who is still on commentary freaks out now he also freaked out when the bucks came out yelling this is bullshit which i thought was fantastic um but then uh scott gets off the commentary uh gets off the mic runs or kind of hurries down confronts callus uh starts yelling in his face they go away sammy gets uh is throwing stuff in the ring, uh, and just screams, this is bullshit, this is bullshit, Don, and that's how the show ends. Um, overall, I thought this was a pretty good show. Don't think it was the worst show. Like, some people are point saying, I thought this was a pretty good show. There was, there was one or two weak matches, everything else, pretty good to great. Um, so, I will give it a thumbs up. Alright, so now back to 
the regular show, the Impact show from last night. Um, we start off like we always do with a little bit of Before the Impact, and we have our Iceman intel for the week, which is that Impact management isn't happy that Sami Zayn, or not Sami Zayn, Sami Callahan uh, was fired. What a great piece of intel. That's a huge scoop that we didn't know after watching Against All Odds. Uh, after this, we get our match. It is Davari versus Jake something. Interesting to note that Davari has been hired back by WWE as backstage producer. He was hired back last Friday, apparently, uh, and did make an appearance on SmackDown uh, last week and on Raw this week. Uh, so, appearing on three different shows in one, in, in the span of a week, what a goddamn guy. Um, this was a pretty good match, um, nothing special, Davari and Jake, good chemistry, nothing to be like, oh man, this was a fantastic match. Uh, Sam Beal and Brian Myers are at ringside taking notes. Uh, Jake something uh, ends up picking up the win with the Black Hole Slam. And then Brian Myers immediately, once the bell rings, runs in uh, and lays out Jake something. Uh, then tells Sam Beal to come in, pick up uh, Jake, uh, and... He just throws him into Brian Myers' uh, running lariat uh, for the roster cut. And yeah, that was before the impact. Uh, main show, Moose uh, starts off the show confronting Scott, demanding a rematch for his title, saying he got screwed. Um, Scott points out that, yeah, I agree, you did get screwed. The Young Bucks and Don and Kenny, all of them uh, screwed you for this match. Um, but I've got a bigger issue right now because Anthem has just let us know that they're sending somebody down uh, and they want to deal with everything that's been going on over the last few months. Uh, so that's that's the only thing I have time for right now. Uh, and Moose says, oh, uh, I'll make sure that you have time for me. And we go into our first match is TJP versus Black Tarus. This was a pretty good match, but it didn't go very long. Um, and again, this goes back to me pointing out that Black Tarus is really good in ring. Him and TJP were really good in ring together, but just didn't go long. And TJP ends up picking up the win with the Mamba Splash. And then once the bell rings uh, to signal the end, Moose comes in, lays out TJP, throws everybody out grabs a chair, grabs a mic, says he's hijacking the show once again, uh, and we go to commercial break, and we come back from commercial break, and there's a bunch of security in the ring, uh, and he says that uh, if they don't get out of the ring, he is going to um, attack them, and he's going to hurt them, and as they get out of the ring, Chris Sabin comes out of nowhere, uh, and attacks Moose, makes Moose run out, uh, and Saban says that, uh, if he wants to take, uh, hijack the show, then he has to, uh, face Saban tonight, um, right here, right now, Moose leaves, and Saban goes backstage, and he demands a match at Slammiversary against Moose. Um, good to see Saban back, uh, him versus Moose should be a really good match if they end up, uh, when they have this match. Uh, because it was confirmed after the show that it uh, Moose accepted and it is a match. Uh, so that should be good. Um, again, clearly shows that Moose is not turning babyface anytime soon. Um, does feel like he is still going to be a heel. Uh, and again, I just feel like that is going to prevent me from seeing him taking the title off of Omega. Because they're not going to turn Omega babyface. Um, so unless they start making moves a baby face at some point. I, I just can't see him being the one to take the title off him. Um, after this, we have uh, Rohit Raju 
um, Fulton and Ace Austin backstage, uh, and Ace and Rohit say that they are, uh, they agree that they need to level the odds for, uh, Ultimate X at Slammiversary, uh, and that they are going to work together to do that, uh, and, uh, Rohit says that, uh, he has a plan to help in their match later, um, after this, we have Madman Fulton versus Josh Alexander. Um, this was a pretty good match. Uh, again, to see Fulton uh, doing some singles work. He doesn't do that very often. Um, and Josh Alexander getting to work with a bigger guy instead of the X Division guys. It's always good uh, to see that he can he can hang with both of them and he gets good matches out of both of them. Um, Josh ends up Getting the win with the, um, I don't know what he calls it, but they've called it in the past the J-Drilla, um, which I was shocked he was able to get Fulton up for. Ace attacks um, right after the bell rings, uh, and then Petey Williams comes in to make the save, but before he can stand t- tall... Rohit comes out, knocks out uh, Ace, or knocks out um, Petey, and then Trey Miguel comes in, and Trey looks like he's going to stand tall, and then Mahabali Shira shows up and takes out Josh, Petey, and Trey, uh, and then Fulton, Ace, Shira, and Rohit all stand tall. And this is obviously the plan that Rohit had for later in the night. After this, we go backstage, and Deanna is yelling at Kimber and Susan and says she is done with them and that she no longer wants to see them anywhere close to her um, and that she is done trying to support them. Uh, so, yeah, uh, it seems like that group is done. Uh, Susan yells at Deanna as she leaves, calling her an entitled millennial. Cool. After this, we have a Morrissey promo, um, and says that he doesn't need friends in wrestling because friends don't really help anyone. Just look at Eddie Edwards and Kojima last night. Kojima had a friend in Eddie Edwards, but he couldn't win. Willie Mack and Rich Swan have been friends, but they couldn't get the job done. And he doesn't need friends because he's strong enough on his own. So maybe this is a veiled shot at Eddie Edwards or Kojima. Um, Who knows? After this, we have Jason Page versus Steve Macklin. It is the debut of Steve Macklin. And this, as I've said, I don't know too much about Steve Macklin's career other than that he was in the Forgotten Sons. Don't know much of his singles work or things before WWE and NXT, but he looks like he's beefed up a lot uh, since um, the last time I saw him with the Forgotten Sons. Um, He was very calculated. He was very serious. This was easily the most um, squash match type squash I've seen in uh, Impact since following it. Uh, like it just feels like um, like most of the time where they have like a jobber or like an enhancement guy come in, like they do get a few pieces of offense. Not here. I think Jason uh, Page got in maybe one or two punches, but Macklem was just in control for all of this. Uh, and then it looks like he's going for a reverse DDT and instead just plants him with like a, I, I don't, I don't really know what to call it. Commentary didn't know what to call it. Nobody knew, knows what to call it, but it, it looks, it looks cool. Um, Macklin wins and I don't know what the plan is for Macklin. I don't know where they go with him, where he fits, but yep, he, he is now an impact. Um, after this, 
we have Jordan and Rachel Ellering backstage yelling at, well, Jordan yelling at Rachel, uh, and Rachel asking Jordan to come out for, like, support for Rachel's match against Tennille tonight, and Jordan says, no, not coming out, I'm done with this, I'm done with you. So it seems like we've got another group breaking up here. Um, Tennille, uh, or after this, then we get uh, Don Callis uh, saying that he fired Sammy Callahan because he and Scott had had conversations for years. They wanted to get rid of Sammy, but Scott would never take the opportunity to, even when Sammy pushed the limit. And so... He was tired of Scott being too nice, and he just had to fire him. And when asked about the Anthem uh, board member coming, uh, he said that they are probably going to thank him for finally doing what nobody else had the courage to do. Uh, Then we have Tennille versus Rachel Ellering, and this was a fantastic match. These two really threw everything out uh, out there for a middle-of-the-card match. Uh, that didn't have like much build to it. Um, this was really good. Um, Rachel has continued to just really uh, shine since coming to Impact. Uh, she hadn't been on TV in quite some time due to injuries and just not being shown on NXT when she signed with NXT. Uh, so really good to see her gang uh, some TV time. And also just getting to showcase what she has in ring. It's really good. Um, Tennille, back-to-back matches for her where she's looked really well. Um, and she ends up winning due to distraction uh, f- from uh, Caleb. Caleb sh- blinds her with the ring light that he tried to use on Jordan uh, against all odds. Uh, and because of this, Tennille is able to roll uh, Rachel up for the one, two, three. Um, yes. After this, backstage, we have TJP and Falaba, uh, going to Scott's office to demand something. We don't know, because they get cut off by Decay, who say they're not done with TJP, and they feel like they got screwed by TJP and Falaba, even though Falaba did absolutely nothing in this match to interfere with anybody. And TJP didn't cheat to win. Um, so Falaba says that he, uh, how about next week we all get involved and we go for the clean sweep and uses a little broom. And Decay says they're, uh, that they're on. They laugh. TJP and follow like chuckle and then they leave. Uh, then backstage, Fire and Flavor are asking random janitors who the best knockouts tag champions of all time are. And one of them says they just started working there uh, yesterday uh, and don't know anybody in the company. The other one says he's just trying to do his job. And then out of nowhere, Rosemary pops out from behind a dumpster um, and uh, slams uh, Tasha against the wall. And then Kiara starts backing up and bumps into Havoc, who's right behind her. And Havoc and Rosemary throw Kiara into the dumpster. Uh, And then as Kiara gets out of the dumpster, she sees the bag. The bag of garbage that is in there is labeled Mickey. Uh, Obviously a, a shot at WWE for the garbage bags that they sent to Mickey James with all her stuff in. Ha ha ha, so funny. Um, Then we get a flashback moment of the week. This is the first time I've seen a flashback moment of the week in a while. Um, But yeah, it's Bully Ray and Chris Sabin at Destination X after Chris Sabin had cashed in his option C and Sabin picks up the win. And yep. Then we have Kojima versus Rhino as the main event. If Kojima wins, Kojima and Eddie have a title shot uh, for the tag titles. Uh, Kojima and Rhino, pretty good match. Nothing to write home about. It wasn't as good as Kojima versus um, 
versus Joe Doring, but it was a pretty good match. Um, Violent by Design does not really get involved again. Eddie's at ringside for this as well. Um, and Kojima picks up the win, and we now know that Kojima and Eddie Edwards are the new number one contenders for the tag titles. Finally, uh, we have uh, Sammy Callahan. They're, well, they're running down the show uh, for next week, and as they're doing so, you hear Sammy's voice on a mic. And they go out to ringside, and Sammy is in the ring, and he says that he's not leaving until he uh, sees Callus and Omega. Scott comes out and says that he's on Sammy's side. He agrees that he shouldn't have been fired. That's why he reinstated Sammy, um, but that he doesn't want Sammy to cause too many problems because there's an Anthem exec coming down. Um, and so Sammy says, okay, and he leaves, uh, and then Callus comes out, uh, and Scott and Callus go at it right up against each other, yelling and screaming at each other, and then Tommy Dreamer's music hits, and Tommy Dreamer comes out in a suit, and everybody's very confused at why he's coming out here, um, and Dreamer says that he went to the board to get some, this resolved. He said he was tired of somebody putting personal preferences ahead of what should actually be done in Impact. Um, and for some reason, Don Callis thinks that that's clearly talking about Scott putting personal preferences ahead of booking decisions and uh, leading to interferences in matches. And for some reason, Scott is also selling this like it's him that they're talking about, even though Scott has never interfered in a match that I can think of in Impact in the last year that I've been watching. <laughs> um, and Dreamer says that the, the Anthem board sent him to deliver the news that Sammy is 100% reinstated that Sammy versus Kenny will go ahead at Slammiversary, and that Don Callis is fired effective immediately from Impact Wrestling as Executive Vice President and has no powers in Impact anymore. Uh, and Callis freaks out, and as he's going to leave the arena, uh, he goes out, and Sammy meets him, and Sammy starts prodding him and uh don says oh you don't hurt me I, I didn't do anything to you and sammy says oh i'm not gonna give you violence but what i am gonna do is at slammiversary i'm going to bash the skull in of kenny omega and i'm going to force you to watch while you are powerless and can't do anything about it and that's how the show ends um yeah, I think we all knew that Callus getting fired was coming after the reports of Callus no longer being executive vice president uh, came out about a month ago at this point. Um, so it makes sense. Um, everything else seemed pretty obvious. It was very backstage-heavy show, it felt like. Um, but it did advance some things. Um, it's interesting to see what happens next. Um, next week we do know that we do have a few matches already announced. We have Rosemary versus Kara Hogan. So Rosemary and Havoc versus Fire and Flavor are probably going to happen soon, if not at Slammiversary. Uh, Trey Young, or not Trey Young, uh, Trey, uh, and Petey, uh, Williams will be facing Shira and Rohit. Kojima and Eddie Edwards will be facing Diener and Joe Doring for the tag titles. And Deanna Peraza will be facing off against Susan. So that's our show for next week. Um, I thought that this wasn't the strongest episode of Impact, but I did think some of the matches were pretty good. Josh and uh, Fulton was really good. Uh, TJP and Black Truce was good. It just didn't last long enough, in my opinion. 
Um, and Jordan, or not Jordan, Tennille, uh, and Rachel was really good. Um, so I'll give it a thumbs in the middle, not a thumbs up, not a thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. Cause like I said, backstage heavy, uh, episode. Um, but the matches that we did, most of the matches that we did have were pretty good. Uh, so we will be back next week, most likely at our normal time on Thursday nights, uh, right after Impact is done. Should be me and Angelo again. Um, and yeah, stay safe, uh, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye.